Church family. Uh, this is um, part three of our little uh, study on the man of action. Uh, Nehemiah is someone that is, he's a doer. He's not just someone that just passively um, let things go by. And we'll see through the book, this book in particular, how uh, he um, acts on the things that he knows about the Lord um, because of who he is. Um, you remember early in the week we talked about how uh, he gets a message from his brother about how the how Judah and Jerusalem hasn't been completed, or, or the temple is completed, but the walls that supposed that surrounds it is not done, and, the, and this moves Nehemiah to go and and do something about it. And the first thing he does is pray. He prays, and the first thing that he prays about is not actually his needs, but he first prays um, about the Lord. He prays to him uh, about him for his own soul. Um, he knows that like by 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 talking, uh, by praying through the attributes of God, it allows him to trust him more. And as we continue moving on this passage, you'll notice that his first prayer, types of prayer, is this adoration. And then later on, he gets to uh, confession. He, 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 he begins to realize uh, who he is in light of who God is. And we see that in verse 6 to 7. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you. Now, day and night, on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servant, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you, I and my father's house have sinned, and we have acted very corruptly against you, and have not kept your commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinances, which you commanded your servant Moses. So Nehemiah realized that he is unworthy. And when you think about how great God is, you can't help but realize how unworthy you are. And he does that by confessing his sin. And, and it should be a natural response to knowing and thinking about the holiness of God. Uh, you see that he said, Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you. He's praying day and night, and you know, he's praying, he's almost like interceding for the people of Israel. And remember, he's not a priest. This isn't his job. But yet he's still confessing the sins of the sons of Israel. Now, he is not praying on, in a sense of like, he's not like being blamed for what Israel is happening, but he loves God and knows how holy God is, that he's ashamed of what his people have done in the past. Um, he's not confessing as if like one person can confess for another person's sin, but he's also taking responsibility uh, for his own sin on things that he did do. So he's he's just ashamed of the sins of the, of the past of his people, but that he also confessed of sins that he actually did do on his own. Uh, he said that he and his father's household have sinned. There's this sense in which he has a right understanding of, of anthropology, a, a right understanding of who man is. That man, because of the fall, are all sinners. There is not one good person. And this is should be a natural response when you study the attributes of God. Remember the last... Uh, message that we did last part uh, or even verse 5 it talks about how great and awesome God is the more you understand who he is it should it should it should humble you and if it doesn't humble you if you're thinking about how magnificent God is and through his attributes if those things are not things that make you humble and confess your sins then there's a chance that you need you might not even be saved because if God is tr if you truly understand the holiness of God there's no way that you think of yourself as a good person uh, there's no way that you think of yourself as anything other than a wicked sinner. Remember in Isaiah 6, when Isaiah um, was commissioned by God, he said, Woe for me, a, a man of unclean lips. He understands that he is, 
he is unholy. He's unworthy to be used by God. Um, by showing who God is or having a bigger glimpse of who God is, it should humble us and, um, and it should cause us to tremble. Um, uh, remember, in the, even in, back in Exodus time, when Moses was confessing, oh, when Moses, he wanted to see God and God said, no, like if you, see, if you saw me, you will die. And what happened was that he told Moses to hide behind a rock and then he just saw the afterglow of the Lord. And when Moses came down from the mountain, that glow that, that was on Moses' face horrified all the people of Israel. Imagine what would have happened if they actually saw God. God was so great and so magnificent that it would just kill the person. Man is not designed to stand uh, before the greatness of God. Uh, Paul Washer says that if anyone thinks that they can stand in front of the Lord, it's like putting a candle in front of a furnace. They'll just melt automatically. And I think that's a right view of who we are, that we cannot stand before how uh, we can't stand before the Lord because of how great and how awesome he is and that is in contrast to how wicked we are if you aren't confessing sins in your prayer then there's a chance that you're moving past this praising part uh, the adoration part too quickly what I mean by that is if you if you in your prayers if you first in your prayer is praying about who God is about how magnificent and great how holy how omniscient how omnipresent uh, how loving how kind all these good things about the Lord you will inevitably see how wicked you are and if you're not confessing that means that you don't really think too highly of God because if you think highly of God you will hate sin but if you don't think much of sin that means you don't think much of God as well uh, we are to adore God, and when we adore God, we will abhor sin. Uh, again, Nehemiah is confessing his own sins, even though he, and relatively speaking, Nehemiah is a good person. Remember, um, he was he worked hard. He worked up his way to be a cupbearer in this in in the society, and that's a that's a huge task. If there's anyone that could say that, oh, in this in this temporal sense, he's a good person, it would be someone like Nehemiah. But yet, e even Nehemiah acknowledged that he's a sinner. He was involved in the sins, but he realized that he has sins too. And you notice in verse 7, We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept your commandments, nor statutes, nor the ordinances. All of these things, commandments, are basically things that are right and wrong, um, like you know, moral commandments. Um, statutes are, are the step-by-step ways in which you can fulfill God's commandments, and ordinances are rules, or things that you need to do. Uh, what he's saying here is that every... Uh, area that he could do wrong, he actually did wrong um, because he failed to acknowledge and, f and faithfully live out uh, God's uh, holy standard. He understands that um, and this is why he confesses his sin. Uh, sadly, the little, and it was crazy because um, I think he's confessing things from big sins even to little sins. And I think sometimes it's little sins we think is what we're okay with. You know, like, oh, I'm okay with this white lie or a glance here or a thought there. We think these are perfectly fine. But we fail to realize that even the little sins can keep us from our God. Sometimes all it takes is just one small sin to keep us from sanctification. It keeps us from having a closer relationship with the Lord. And when we confess these sins, um, understand we're really just confessing. Our, our confession is basically an acknowledgement that you're wrong. When we confess, it's not like God is surprised or doesn't know that we sin. Um, he knows. He knows everything. He knows that we've committed sin. He knows the things, that's, that's the secrets that's in our heart. But yet, 
uh, sometimes we refuse to confess even those little sins. Uh, yet, but little sins have big effects on our lives, and we need to be willing uh, to confess these sins to the Lord because He is a good God. He knows all of our sins. He knows uh, uh, all those things that we've done, and he, at the same time, He's so gracious in forgiving us. He's so gracious because of his loving kindness to his people that he's willing to let those things go because of what he's done on the cross for us. And as, if we, when we confess our sin, we're acknowledging the sh shortcomings in our life. Um, again, it's not to say that you work your way to heaven, but that doesn't mean that you don't strive for holiness. Right? Leviticus and 1 Peter tells us that we need to be holy for our God is holy. We need to be exactly what he uh, expects, even though we can't perfectly fulfill the commandments, we do have the ability to say no. And as we progress in our in our walk in the Lord, we'll find ourselves confessing more and more because we are uh, more sensitive to sin. At least that's the, the general tra trajectory. The more mature you become, the more you understand God's word, the more sensitive you are to sin. So let me, so there's a question you ask yourself, are there, do you find yourself being more sensitive to sin than you were six months ago? Are there areas in your life now that you look back upon, just even six months that I wish I did not do that. I realize now that what I've done is sin. Now, if you don't see any of that in your life, then that means there's something wrong with your, wrong with your walk. That probably means that you're not walking closely with the Lord. If you're looking at your life and you, see, don't, if you, don't, and you don't realize that there's anything wrong in the last six months, that means that you probably are in sin and just are, and just are completely callous to it. Again, you need to have a bigger picture of who God is, not in just some intellectual way, like, okay, I know these verses, I know these attributes, but truly, it has to impact your heart. Uh, it has to change you. The more you know about God, it should have a, um, a real-life result that comes out of it, and one of them should be confession. You must confess your sins to the Lord. You must realize that He knows it, and He must be the one, and you need... And, and you need to confess to him. We don't need to go to a priest anymore because we have a great high priest in Jesus Christ. That's what Nehemiah does. He prays uh, a, a portion of his prayer here. He's, he's confessing the sins that he's failed to do and even uh, the sins of his own people. He confesses these things because he realized how great and awesome his God is. Uh, and that's it for today. Yesterday we looked at um, when we pray, we should uh, pray for uh, with an adoration for the Lord. And now we're, we're talking about confession. And tomorrow we're going to see, um, we continue on this prayer, and we're going to uh, just look at how he remembers uh, what God has done and, and, and how God keeps his, um, his, his, his faithfulness, and he's thankful for that. The fact that God doesn't remove his people, he acknowledges God's provision, and he thanks the Lord um, through the way that he describes who God is. And uh, for today, if you think about your own life. Confess the sins that you committed. No matter how small the sin is, uh, it's offensive to the Lord. And this is something that um, all of us have. And as we grow in Christ-likeness, we'll become more sensitive to those areas. And, um, and if it's, the more we confess, the more we'll be like His Son. Um, I hope that this is helpful. And I hope and I trust that as the Lord uses His Word to work in your life, uh, that you will pray um, in a way that is pleasing to Him. Uh, thanks for listening. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Thank you.